Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? I don't know, Dave. I don't think I want to do a podcast episode today. Do we have to talk about anything? I mean, my voice is so tired and we're always doing this every week. I want to invite you to consider. Yes. You're complaining right now. Well, what's wrong with complaining? Besides, it makes you sound like a whiny little... <laughs> Besides, child. it's really annoying. <laughs> right. I mean, seriously, who likes complaining? I know a lot of people who like complaining. I don't but, know many people who like listening to it. Thank you. I, I was going to say, let me rephrase that. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, too many people like complaining. So what's complaining have to do with persuasion? I mean, uh, don't we need to hear a complaint... So we can come up with, okay, how do we fix this? And then persuade them to that point of view. Isn't that integral? Well, yes. And I would argue that by bringing up a problem, you're not necessarily complaining. Now, when a client complains, we don't have control over the way do it. They do it. They may just be complaining. Then we have the opportunity to fix it. Yay. But that's the key is when we're identifying a problem with the intent to solve that's productive. When we're just bringing it up with the intent to bring it up and complain about it and look at the problem without being solution focused, that's when it's like, I just sounded pretty terrible. Yeah. And I think, you know, when, when you broach this subject with me uh, about a potential topic, what went through my mind isn't so much other people complaining, although, right, because as Leaders and or salespeople, we, got, we can only be responsible for ourselves. And you just said that. But how do we as individuals distinguish for ourselves? Are we complaining or are we informing? Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. And I think inadvertently or maybe vertently, but. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. You got to look that up. Vertently. Well, that's we, it's a right, we, had, we had that conversation a few weeks ago. And so, vertently, um, <laughs> I can't stop giggling over vertently. Anyway, please continue. This is a serious podcast, Dave. Stop playing around. Okay. Um, now, uh, now you can't remember what you were going to say. Right. I think we did a you, you did an excellent job of demonstrating it between us the difference between complaining. I don't want to do a podcast, and it doesn't require, although it seems to frequently elicit the whiny voice, um, right? You could. Do, I don't really want to do this podcast. That doesn't really come off as quite as complaining, or as or right. Which a complaining is when you just label something. So a complaint would be, this podcast is too long. This podcast is boring. 
this podcast is, right? Whoever edits this podcast doesn't do it very well. I wish the redhead would stop joking. Well, I can't believe you just complained about me like that. (laughs) You'll be all right. Oh, it just came to me when we were talking about Vertonly. So my brother, who's a golfer, as was I for a brief period of time, um, and I'll probably play again, but I but I hung up the clubs for 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 the sticks. So you know, um, and one of the things that happens in golf is you get those fairly short little putts that you know you, you kind of approach nonchalantly because they're gimme putts, and then you then then you miss them. Then you miss them. <laughs> right. And so my brother once said to me, he goes. The nonchalant putts are just as important as the chalant putts. <laughs> I knew you'd appreciate that. I love it. At any rate, right? So I think that the quintessential difference between complaining and informing is one, what is your intent? That's right. You know, is your intention to fix something or is it just to unload? And as leaders, and I want to approach this as leaders, although this is Actually, it's true in sales as well when talking to prospects, what I'm about to say. If all you're doing is complaining, you're actually hurting your reputation. And you are, again, the same phrase I used uh, last week, you're negatively impacting your ability to persuade. Mm -hmm. Because people are not attracted to that negativity. Right. Oh, and I mean, a lot of times complaining is also looking for an ally in your complaint, in your identification and blaming of the problem. And even if they agree with you and they're like, oh, yeah, Dave, I think the way that your sales team does stuff is totally ridiculous. They're probably going to stop doing business with you, even if they agree with you um, and and become an ally. They're not going to feel real good about doing business with you. Well, actually, it's funny, as you said that, what I came to the realization is that a complaint is really not accepting your own responsibility, mm. right? So I know you're familiar with the work of, of Dr. Donnie Epstein and his 12 Stages of Healing, and, you know, the stage two, polarity, is blame-shame, right? In other words, it's it's some exterior force's fault that things are going wrong. And we have no control over what goes, and this is true, we have no control over what goes on to us. Mm-hmm. We only control how we react to it. Mm-hmm. And that's true for everything in life. When you complain, you're fighting against this outside stuff and you're shunting your responsibility away. Yes. Because irrespective of what happens to you, how you react is 100% up to you. And that's where we have the responsibility. Right. And even if it's something that, you know, you don't necessarily have control of the way your business does something or the way your team does something or the way that you have to do something based on the law, by accepting the things you can't control and working on the things you can, you're going to move forward in a much more positive way and bring people along with you. Like, I remember, this takes me back again in telecom, we had a, when we would sell the phone equipment, we would offer a five-year warranty. And what we would tell our clients is that, and by the way, this is not just on the equipment. If your service isn't working for whatever reason, call us. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to be able to take 
to fix what the problem is. If it's, if it's a carrier problem, the person providing the dial tone problem, we can't fix their problem. What we can do, however, is interface with them on your behalf because we know the business. And if they turn around and say, well, because they always would say this, well, if our system shows it's clear and if we come out there and it turns out to be your equipment, then we're going to have to bill you. Well, we know whether it's our equipment or not. So if, if it turns out to be our equipment, yeah, we'll take responsibility for that. But it will never be that because we'll have done that troubleshooting first. But we'll be able to say to them, don't worry about it. Come on out. We know it's not our equipment. We've already tested that. And, you know, here's how we know that. And, and so we would have that conversation so we could get it fixed quicker and sooner. So we would take responsibility for communication, right? Because that's something we always had control over, right? We'll communicate. And if something went wrong, it was because we failed to communicate, not because somebody else screwed up, because the screw up occurred because we didn't communicate clearly. And it never happened in, in the, all my years in business, but I had accepted in my mind that if some, if, if the pack bell or whoever came out and they went, Oh, look, it is the equipment. I went, Oh crap. We missed that. You're right. It was. And they presented my customer with $150, $200 bill, whatever it was. Guess what? We were going to pay that. And it yep. never happened. And that's the key. And, and, you know, you bring up a great point and, and this goes back to what we were talking about last week, soliciting complaints from our clients. So we know what's going on. So they give us the chance to fix it because a lot of times our clients won't complain, but if we explain that their complaints will help us solve problems for them and for every other client behind them, they understand that we're going to take the problems that they're bringing to us and do something with them, which increases the trust and respect and thus our ability to persuade. Right. But back to our earlier point, as leaders, the last thing we want to do is complain. Right. Complaining is different, as we said, from um, pointing out areas that require improvement. Right. And sharing how or what work we're doing to try to improve that. Correct. Correct. Right. So if, if something went wrong from a service perspective, and I'll go to back to my moving company days where I would have a customer call and, you know, say this took too long or this went poorly and I, w I want some sort of refund. I, whenever it's something tripped to the point where a customer thought they deserved money back, A, they would get the money back. That, that was, that was a no questions asked. That was a policy. And I went, I, I'm happy at some other time, or even if you're interested today, I'm not sure it's germane. It came full circle from where I would negotiate with them to just giving them whatever they asked for. Okay. And, and but that didn't end there. Then I would have what I, what I called a quality board or cue board where I would invite the crew in who worked on that move and have them go through our procedures and how they fulfilled them from the moment they called in the night before the move to finishing the move without ever telling them what the customer complaint was. So I could find out, did they follow our procedures? And if not, did what they did contribute to what the customer experienced? And then use that as an education point with them so they could understand why those procedures were in place. Right? And so that's different than just complaining, oh, these guys are always screwing up a move. Right. 
Right. And that's, and that's the key. And like you said, it's intent. Your intent in that, in that place was to improve future moves and to reduce the amount of refunds you were going to have to give. Had your intention just been to punish the dudes that messed something up, that would have been a bigger challenge. Yeah. And what's interesting is, as you said, that is, um, well, let me come back. I'll circle that to a second. Or if my intent was to do nothing more than to vent. Right. And to just is, make them feel bad. Right. Which is even worse right. because what they hear is like, okay, I could get away with whatever I want to get away with because, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. So what if he calls me slow and incompetent and an idiot? I still get my paycheck. And you're never going to ask me to do anything differently. Right. So I get to do it the way I want to do it. Instead, what would happen is, and this was an intentionally uncomfortable conversation, is, you know, there was no joking and laughing. Um, you know, my, my, it was me, my uh, operations manager, and my um, warehouse manager, who was also had been a mover. Um, and we would go through all the procedures, grill them on why they did what they did. If we discovered that they did nothing wrong, they were told that, look, you guys did everything right. And, 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 Thank you for letting us know that. And by the way, we're going to add, usually it was add or change our procedure because our procedure set them up for failure. Mm. And that's the last thing in the world we wanted to do. If on the other hand, they didn't follow the procedures, we would lay out for them how, you know, where their thinking was flawed, how by not following the procedure, they thought they were intentionally, oh, we don't need to do that. I said, no, here's, this is the causal chain, mm -hmm. you know, and by the way, you want to stay a lead mover, this can't happen again, you know? And it's a couple of things happened. One, our procedures got better. We got better compliance on our procedures because people understood. Mm -hmm. They understood two things. One, why they were there. And two, they were going to be held accountable to do them. You see at the expectation that we're going to talk about this if it's not done. Right. And then the third thing that happened is, and I, and just, I remember one lead mover, he was a likable guy. Everybody enjoyed his company, you know, and he kept screwing up. And after the third time, I remember after, after our cue board, sitting down with the ops manager and going, why is he still working here? <laughs> and he's right. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not the standard. And I said, listen, if you're not comfortable letting him go, I'm happy. I'll, I'll, I'll do it for you. Yes. But this is the third time and it's a different, it's a different problem every time. You know, he clearly doesn't get it. And, and, and he moved and, and the ops manager, you know, he, he wasn't afraid of letting him go. He just didn't recognize the pattern. Right. Yeah. And, and this goes, I think, as if I can shift it a little bit here. Another place where you really lose credibility and really lose the ability to persuade is when you complain to your team about something higher ups or something the company is doing and just complaining to them with the intent to vent. Well, that's really interesting. Really. Yeah, you're, 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 you're absolutely right. And one of my cardinal rules, and this is why it's lonely in leadership, folks. In fact, if you can get in a leadership uh, coaching group with your peers, not from within your organization. This is a really powerful place because the worst thing you can do as a leader is talk to the team about issues higher up. Because what you're really doing is cutting the legs out of your senior leadership and undermining them 
and trust me, they're not going to appreciate it. It's okay to talk to them about it. But once you get your marching orders, you have two choices. Represent those ideas as if they're yours and do them as wholeheartedly. And if you can't, then you have an absolute obligation to move on to something else. Yep. Because if you're passing that disgruntledness down to your team, they are then thus going to be disgruntled. You are a role model for your team. They're looking to you, whether you realize it or not, on how to behave within the organization. And right. if they're they, seeing they, you complain about their higher-ups, well, they're going to complain about them, maybe to the customer, and then it gets really ugly. Well, they might be complaining about you, and you don't even know it. In exactly. fact, I can, I can almost guarantee they are, because they're not respecting you any more than you're respecting your higher-ups. You're creating a culture of disrespect. Right. We want to. We don't want to create a, a culture of disgruntledness. We want a culture of gruntledness. A gruntled culture. That's what everybody wants. Right. A gruntled culture. Absolutely. With shallant action. Yes. Let's not be nonchalant. <laughs> we, we, we have to be intentionally shallant. <laughs> it just sounds like a classy word. I'm going to go be shallant. You know, I'll bet it's French and it means something. Probably... <laughs> Probably like snail snot or something, but yeah. Stoops classy. <laughs> I mean, come on. The French make snails not just taste good, but sound like it would taste good. Escargot. 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 Yeah. Yes, we really is just snot in a shell. Yeah. <laughs> With some lemon. A little little garlic. A lot of garlic. A lot of garlic. I guess garlic can make anything taste good. Let's be honest. Story all day. So, all right. Do we have anything else to complain about? <laughs> you know, and and I think complaining it, it, again, soliciting complaining, on the other hand, is important. And asking because I remember we had a complaining meeting one time. Now, I will correct myself in just a moment. Uh, when I was with Under Armour, a big change was announced and our boss brought us into a room and said, all right, complain. And we were all like, what? And he said, I want to know what your challenges are, what you don't like about this. What he goes, because that's going to help me understand what do I need to train you in? What do I need to go look into? And what misunderstandings might I be able to um, clear up? And that allowed us a chance to vent about the things we were scared about, that we were frustrated about, that we didn't like. And no, in a very productive forum, that then something could be done about them. Or he could say, you know what? I can see how that would be a frustration. And no, there's nothing we can do about that. But thanks for letting me know. And you know what's interesting about that? What a, what a fantastic, first of all, what a great role model you had as a manager. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going back a couple of weeks when we uh, talked about the triad of change. And what he really did there was solicit which of these three legs, is it your perception of what's going on? Is it the structure of what's going on? Or is there some behavioral challenge that you have, you know, and gave him a chance to either address it directly and maybe shore it up or correct them, you know, like, oh, wait, we need to put some more structure in place or correct the perception. Oh, I could see how you would think that. Let me share with you a different perspective, mm -hmm. right? 
or somehow get you to behave, change your behavior in another way, right? So it gave him the opportunity to address all three of those legs. And folks, if you didn't hear that, go back and listen, because that's a really powerful podcast. Yeah. Yep. But you're absolutely right. And that, and by encouraging that conversation with us, it was switching swish, it from complaining to a productive sharing of challenges. Now well, we it, can do something about it. And, and here's the thing. He was soliciting information. He, what, what, what he did, and this is brilliant on his part, had he not done that, it would have been true complaining because you'd have whined to each other. Oh, God, this sucks. This isn't going to work. All the things that came out in that meeting would have been said in an environment where it would have been useless and fallen on deaf ears, right? Instead, he turned it into a solicitation for information and was able to either make changes because of it or maybe in some cases at least give information back that enabled you to go, all right, I'm going to have to live with it. Because we, all, because we also felt heard, right? So he was trying to persuade us to kind of get over the stuff that we couldn't control and we couldn't change by listening to all the challenges and by being able to genuinely do something or clear up something that we could do something about. So it strengthened his ability to persuade us to move on from the things that we were really frustrated with. Right. And I have no doubt that since they made changes to some of the things he heard, not all, Mm -hmm. that enabled you to live with the things that couldn't change. Exactly. Because we felt heard. Right. Right. So that's a, I mean, that's a great illustration of the difference between complaining and soliciting information. And so I, I guess I want to um, just sort of, as a rule, never complain down, never complain sideways. And never complain up. Well, complaining up. So if we're defining complaint as something other than being proactive about it, yes. If you're going up with a problem, go up with a solution as well. Right. Sharing with the intent to solve or with the intent to do something about right. it. Right. And that's if you're not going, complaining in my book. Right. Okay. Uh, fair enough. And that's why, you know, it's definitions are important. Mm -hmm. um, so we're all, we're all on the same page. Sideways is really dangerous in the sense that right because you could just you know we're just gonna i'm gonna talk to my peers and we're just going to be in a bitch session well all, all that does is foster bad feelings right it, it's not really good venting mm -hmm. if on the other hand you get together with your peers and say Let, let's see if we could come up with a solution that we could take upstairs right that's a completely different story now now we're not complaining anymore and and another direction where that exact concept comes in handy is when you have to go to HR to ask them for some help on dealing with an employee or help on dealing with a, maybe even a policy that's being not upheld by going with the intent to look for solutions. You're not going into HR just to complain. You're saying, Hey, I need some help with this. I would love to know what your input is on this. Yeah, it's funny. It just occurred to me just now, we've said this before, and our coach Michelle says this many times, right? Energy precedes outcome. So what's the energy going behind this? Is the energy just one to, I just want to whine and dump this off my chest and I just want to be heard. Blame, but I don't blame, want to blame, do, blame, blame. Right. It's, it, I, I, I'm, I'm putting a shield up to protect myself by blaming others. Right. That's one energy and that's a negative energy. 
if the energy is, I want to make things better, right? And don't kid yourself, right? Complaining about how somebody else is doing things is not making things better. Yeah. Really investigate your intentions and what you're trying to achieve. Is it just to get somebody in trouble? Is it to blame them? Is it to get them fired? Is it to get them to change the way they're doing something? That may not be the right way to solve the problem. Right. What can you do to solve the problem? Not how can I change somebody else to solve the problem? Right. I think we've, uh, we've covered that complaint. I think we've complained about complaining enough. All right. Let's stop <laughs> complaining about it. I'm gruntled with this, uh, with this episode. I will join you in your gruntledness. <laughs> and I don't, I say that chalantly. Yes, not nonchalantly. This is a not, very chalant podcast. That, that was a very chalant podcast. All right. Thanks and for joining us again, everyone. Until next week. See you then. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com. And this is Ann Bonnie at YourChangeSpeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them. Yeah.